so uh, okay hello everyone uh, my name is vikas agarwal i am the founder of aif and pms experts india so firstly i would like to thank all the participants who have taken the time out from their busy schedule and joined today it's a very special day because i've invited mr aman chauhan from abacus while uh, there has been lot of request coming from a uh, good number of investors that they wanted aman to come and speak to us but uh, it has taken some amount of time because one aman was occupied with uh, result season a and b is uh, obviously uh, wanted to consolidate the outlook of the equity market and there were a lot of things going on here and there so we thought why not we'll invite him at the appropriate time and then speak to him and read his mind so i don't have to introduce aman uh, well uh, most of the uh, investors who have already invested uh, uh, in abacus are already there i can see that and uh, numbers are increasing uh, Well, Aman is MBA from uh, Mumbai University and brings about more than 18 years of experience on the table when it comes to equity investing. And before joining Abacus, uh, he used to work for Reliance Mutual Fund as a portfolio manager. He used to look after both domestic and offshore investing. He was based out of Singapore as well, and uh, he has worked very closely with uh, the founder of Abacus, Mr. Mr. Sunil Singhania. And it's like there is a saying in the market that they both work in sync. Uh, so well that you know the output is always immense so what we'll do is we'll read his mind and understand uh, what sort of framework they follow at at an organization level well i can see there are few uh, new uh, uh, investors who have joined for the first time for their uh, understanding let me just give a little bit of introduction about abacus so abacus is founded by mr sunil singhania uh, and he, he brings about more than two and a half decades of experience before that he used to work for uh, reliance mutual fund which eventually became nippon mutual fund and he was the chief investment officer here so as we speak today uh, abacus has more than 3 and 1/2 years of track record on the table and ever since they've started their aif and pms they've sort of uh, beating the benchmark significantly uh, so we thought uh, uh, performance is a secondary thing but we'll understand today what sort of framework do they follow at an organization level and what's their approach to investing but before that uh, aman thank you so much and welcome on the show of ask the expert and thank you so much for accepting our request sure great pleasure is mine vikas thanks for inviting me yeah so my first question is which everybody wants to know aman from you is that what is your house view on when it comes to uh, uh, outlook of equity market at this point of time we saw that post the ukraine war market started falling down and therefore we saw last week we saw that markets have sort of bottomed out or uh, what do you think it's is this bottomed out or what's your views on the markets mm, i feel it's a bit early to call it that it's bottomed out uh, nevertheless if it is bottomed out it's very good if not then the bottom is near it's not that its bottom is 20 30% lower than where we are we are at 16500 levels uh, we had bounced back from 15000 Uh, we can go back to 15 in the next one to two months if the data points in us continue to disappoint but not uh, but not significantly lower than that so if bottom is created great if not we are closer to that so i think investors should start looking at equity markets things should stabilize over the next two to three months the dust should settle in us markets both on the inflation front as well as on the outlook for growth front once that happens closer to october november i think markets in india should start uh, looking positive the festive season will also uh, be on at that point of time and a combination of both good festive season and stable global macroeconomic should be a good combination for markets to start performing 
result season and what all uh, do you see some domestic concern or it's only the international concern at this point of time predominantly international concerns i feel globally including india uh, markets have already digested the interest rates and the inflation worries uh, we all know that inflation is high bond yields are already showing that the next rate hike is coming so markets are prepared for the next rate hike so that's no longer going to be a surprise i think the worry today in the market is more to do with where the demand is headed because of the high inflation and high interest rates in us there is going to be definitely impact on demand so where the demand is headed is something that uh, is what market grappling with and that's where i think the concern is the data point in us is something which comes uh, very regularly uh, almost on a daily to a weekly basis and that numbers there is what the market is now trying to fathom as to whether it's going to be a soft landing or a hard landing in us yeah the other fear in fact because uh, i have some slides with me uh, yeah, yeah, which is yeah. highlighting the current market concern and what the current market outlook is i can take you through uh, the concerns as well as the outlook in detail yeah. sure so uh is my screen visible yeah very much sure great so uh, as we are discussing uh, on the market outlook uh, i have a few slides uh, uh, detailing the current uh, scenario and the outlook going ahead and uh, uh, it will be i'll be happy to uh, share the same with you fine so coming to the current sentiments uh, i feel a post covid we had a dream run of almost 2 years where the markets have given phenomenal returns from the lows uh, and post that for the past few months volatility has come back to the markets we are down almost 11 12% on a index level from the highs stock wise you could be down anywhere from 10 to 30% uh, this is after the small bounce that we have seen over the last week 10 days uh for the first time in after a long gap mid and small caps have underperformed so even in the march fall when the russia event happened uh, mid caps were holding on may and june we have seen uh, mid caps underperforming the broader markets uh what was hype and exuberance both in the uh, secondary as well as in the ipo market is now got replaced by fears and concerns on both inflation and interest rates uh which are now the most uh, discussed topics as we speak so this is where the sentiment or the background of the market lies uh why is this situation and what uh, is going on uh the current situation is this because uh, this policy makers or the central banks which infuse liquidity into the markets after the global financial crisis after the brexit event after any major global event and including covid today are reversing that so they are hiking rates and they are reducing the amount of liquidity in the market in an effort to tackle inflation so the abundant liquidity globally has led to inflation and now the central banks are working hard towards addressing their inflation concern we have seen the first round of rate hikes already come in which has come in sharper than what the initial estimates were for example initially we were expecting fed to have a 25 bps rate hike over a 12 to 18 month period which they have front loaded uh, as we speak to a 75 bps rate hike in the last uh, 
cycle and uh, in the next meeting uh, market is expecting anywhere from 50 to 75 bps of another rate hike uh, the indian government also has put in certain restrictions on exports steel uh, and other commodities and some taxes to control uh, the inflation locally here the most talked about uh, factor today is as i was mentioning what is going to be the demand destruction so whether you call it recession depression stagflation whichever word you use ultimately indirectly what you're going to address is what is going to be the demand impact due to the high inflation and interest rate. and in my subsequent slides i'll uh, take you through what our view there is also one of the recent big concerns has been the fi outflows that we have seen over the past uh, seven eight months uh, never ever before historically we have seen such high fi outflows coming from the market and as we speak uh, commodities uh, have corrected from the peak so let's uh, go through each one of the issues that we are facing right now so my last three months have been brutal it's also i believe more of a global event than a local event last three months almost all markets except for the chinese market have given negative returns and india is also one of them we are not the worst performing or not even closer to the worst performing yeah but uh, we are also being at the receiving end but at the same time if you see a one year return indian market is still amongst the best so indian equity market along with the singapore market would be among the best performing markets globally and that is what i would want to highlight here that yeah last two three months have been bad but it's global and over a one year period we are still amongst the best performing markets so it's not of a doomsday scenario if somebody is so worried that what will next happen to india i don't think so we are in that bad a situation is if somebody is that worried uh what has led to this correction uh markets have been brutal uh, especially in stocks where earnings growth have been delayed or is elusive so if you see nasdaq the chart on your left is back to the pre covid levels so all the covid gains the digital economy gains the ipos the uh, e-commerce the new age economy companies whatever name you use them this new age companies the digital beneficiary companies at least from a stock market perspective the prices are back to what it was pre covid so all the covid gains have got wiped off uh, prices are down anywhere from 20 to 80% for this new age companies and that has led to a big impact on sentiments both in us as well as globally and the rub effect of that is visible even in india and as, as i was mentioning this time around especially in the last 3 uh, 4 months mid caps after a good 2 years of strong outperformance have underperformed the broader nifty so the current concerns are obviously inflation and interest rates and uh, we all know that uh, the cpi interest rate in india is high double digits the consumer interest uh, inflation is close to 7 to 8% and the printed inflation us has hit a high of 9% which is will be uh, the highest amongst a few decades uh, and that's what the real worry is the good thing is that the bond yields have already started to discount the rate hike with the fed and the rbi is going to do so you see the 6% gsec uh, in india has already moved to 7 and a half and the 0.5 to 0.8% us gsec is already touching 3 so looks like the bond markets have already discounted uh, or already priced in the inflation and the interest uh, rate hikes uh, that the market seems to be worried about 
The other concern with the markets have was the high commodity prices, which indirectly have led to the inflation number that we have seen. Uh, even here, the recent update of the recent few months data points suggest that almost all commodities are off their peaks. Uh, they are down anywhere from 10 to 30% from the recent hikes. And uh, not just the commodities, even agri-commodities have corrected decently from the recent highs. So that's what the situation is. And hence, my take on inflation is that uh, the worst of inflation is already behind us. On numbers, it will be start getting visible in the next two to three months because the benefit of this lower commodity prices will be visible over that time frame. So it doesn't happen overnight, both on when it's moving up or it's moving down. And hence, it, I think it will take two to three months for the lower inflation numbers to start getting reflected in our uh, in the numbers that both India as well as US report. Uh, so besides inflation and interest rates, the other uh, worries would be the geopolitical issues. Uh, the Russia event is still ongoing. I don't expect any incremental news coming from there. In fact, uh, there's a very high possibility that there can be positive news, either of a ceasefire, either of Russia declaring a victory and, and closing down the uh, ground level uh, skirmish that it has going on. And things can get better on from here rather than getting worse. But nevertheless, it's a situation which is uh, fluid. One needs to constantly monitor the situation. My optimism stems from the fact that uh, embassies in Kyiv in Ukraine have started to reopen. The, both the US as well as India has reopened the embassies, which means that the war situation is limited either to the border areas or the disputed areas between Ukraine and Russia. And it is no longer that Russia wants to completely invade Ukraine as we speak. Uh, oil prices is something which has been uh, a big event for India. It's one of our largest import bills. Uh, oil is hovering close to $100. Our view is that oil is headed towards 75 rather than going to 150 But if somebody has that fear, that oil can go to that level. Uh, my optimism that uh, oil should head to 75 comes from the fact that one, shale gas production is rising. Second, if oil stays at this level, it's only Middle East that benefits nobody else and hence the current sanctions that one has on Iraq, Iran would come off and hence supply can materially rise from these regions. Uh, in spite of whatever economic sanctions Russia is facing, it is still physically exporting oil in at a discounted rate and India is a big beneficiary of that discounted Russian oil. And hence the demand supply in the market is getting met. It's just that Prices have yet to correct, which I feel eventually should head it back to 75 levels. If this happens, uh, it's going to be incrementally positive both for the economy and for the equity markets. Uh, INR depreciation is also one of the talked about points. Rupee has just hit 80. Uh, if you look the past and also the current rupee move, uh, you'll notice that the current move to 80 is more of a function of dollar appreciating than INR depreciating. In the INR, has in fact appreciated versus most other currencies, whether it is yen or pound or euro, and it is among the best performing currencies. So the move to 80 is more of a dollar appreciation move than anything going wrong with IRR as a currency or India as a country. And hence, I am not too worried about the recent uh, IRR move. 
Now coming to uh, the situation in India, uh, two or three key positives that I would like to highlight here is that one, post the lockup, uh, opening up trade, uh, the revenue growth in India and the demand has been pretty robust. There have been only some pockets where the demand has got impacted uh, due to the high inflation or due to high prices. But nevertheless, for say 8 out of 10 products, uh, the demand continues to remain robust. Uh, there is margin pressure definitely across companies, across sectors, because if you look around the input prices, any input price, if you're running a business, you will notice that there is steel, cement, copper, freight, power, manpower, anything and everything has gone up and not every company will be able to pass it on. And whoever is able to pass it on is also indirectly leading to uh, contributing towards the inflation numbers. But this margin pressure is here to stay. We already seen two quarters of this margin pressure. I feel another two quarters and then uh, the margin pressure should subside. One, because the base effect and also, as we have discussed, the commodity prices are already off their peaks. So the benefits of that will start reflecting in, over, uh, in a quarter's time. And that is going to be something which is positive. Uh, India continues to be among the fastest growing economy. That's something uh, is uh, great for global investors to look at. Uh, the government seems to be doing fine. The fiscal deficit targets are on track. Uh, investment targets would be slightly off, but nevertheless, government has bitten the bullet, gone ahead with the LIC IPO to show the intent that they mean business and they uh, would want to walk the talk, and which is a very positive sentiment message that they have sent across to global investors. And this is something which we are pretty excited about. Also, we are seeing a big shift happening from unorganized to the organized sector, and that is getting reflected from the GST revenue collection and uh, the direct tax collection, which are rising month on month and are, as we speak, closer to the highs. The chart here uh, is reflecting that the GST collection as well as the direct tax collection, plus the IAP growth also has started to pick up. Uh, also, what is helping India and indirectly what is helping the currency is in the strong Forex reserves. So we have almost $600 billion of Forex reserves, which is uh, historic high, closer to the historic high number. And this is something which we never had ever before uh, in the post-independence. And at the same time, the worry that people have on oil import bill, what has happened is over the past few years, the IT export demand has been so strong and the IT sector has been growing steadily that today the oil import bill and the export receipts of IT services that the country gets is almost matching. So hence IT is able to foot the bill of oil and this has led to a very good positive impact on the current account deficit and hence overall as an economic point India is quite well placed. The rural economy is also seems to be doing well. Monsoon had a late start, but now it's picked up. Uh, we have seen decent progress, pan-India on the monsoon front. Uh, Agri-commodity prices are high. The, that is leading to good farm income. We are also seeing good amount of export coming in for the agri-commodities, plus the government focus on the rural economy stage. And hence, we are seeing that the rural economy is pretty well placed uh, on, in the current cycle. Uh, proactive steps uh, by the government whether it is Make in India, the PLI schemes, the uh, focus on defense, the Atmanir Prabhat, the multiple things that the government has taken initiatives seems to be working. 
we are seeing good amount of capex getting announced for setting up manufacturing plants uh, under the pli scheme we have one of the best corporate rates across uh, the peer group uh, countries and that is something which is also very attractive for somebody to come in and set up a manufacturing unit or a business unit in india uh, make in india program is successful government has been able to uh, reduce the defense import bill significantly as we speak and that trend is going to continue for a long time and the focus for the government is particular and hence we feel that we are in very safe hands as far as the government actions are concerned if covid wouldn't have happened things today would have been much better than what it is today nevertheless the government has handled the medical emergency pretty well and it's well equipped to handle the economic uh, situation also so that's broadly uh, on the economy where i feel that we are very well placed the demand uh, concern which globally people have i feel is not going to be much of a concern in india for a simple reason that say for example us markets in us the mortgage rates or the housing loan come at 2% because the recent rate hike it has become 4% So if somebody is earning say ten thousand dollars in US and his EMI was two thousand dollars, his EMI is doubled to four thousand, and that definitely is going to create an impact on his lifestyle on the way he spends. But in India, the housing rate itself used to be seven percent, which is going to eight percent. A one percent move here and there, it's not going to change your decision, or it's not going to change the demand environment drastically. So my take is that the demand is a bigger worry in the US and in the Western world than in India. your domestic demand should remain stable at the same time the export growth outlook that we are seeing is pretty high because of china plus one strategy lots of new sectors lots of new economies have opened up uh, we have now sectors like textiles garmenting tiles even electronics that we have started to export which earlier we used to import so that is something which is a very big macro tailwind indian corporates are facing hence we are gaining market share in the global trade so keeping all these things in mind i feel the demand environment in india should stay stable and if that is the scenario then once dust settles in the us markets uh, india will be in a sweet spot and uh, should do well coming specifically to equity markets post the recent corrections where to is trend uh, on a pe basis we are now close to 18 times one year forward or uh, which is below 10 year average and we feel it's a decent uh, number it's not something where the market is very cheap uh, but at the same time it is below fair value or closer to the fair value so it's definitely not expensive the way it was say a year back uh, at the current 17 18 times we feel the risk reward equation is in favor of investing rather than getting scared uh, also one needs to realize that the old historic pe ratio of india needs to be upgraded because when india used to trade at 12 13 14 15 times pe that time the bond market or the repo rate or the fd yields used to be 8 to 9% today they are closer to 5 to 6% so the bond market or the debt yields are compressed which indirectly means that the equity valuation should go up so the old range of 12 to 15% uh, 15x pe should now move from 15 to 20x pe and that is where we are at 17 18 times where absolutely within that range and hence i am not overly worried at, at least as far as the valuation is concerned we have decent roes uh, as a corporate india which justifies the uh, valuations that market is trading at 
till the time corporate earnings are strong uh, market should do well that's what the broad thesis is because ultimately markets are a slave of earnings here we feel that the mid teens to high teen kind of uh, corporate earnings should sustain and one of the big factors helping this would be the shift from unorganized to organized so stock market gets represented only by the formal economy of india the large corporate india which are in the formal segment the informal parallel cash economy of india is not represented with the stock market so as this informal economy loses market share which is gained by the formal economy the corporate profit growth of formal economy is going to go up and ultimately this is what stock markets look at and that the trend is going to be good which means that markets are in safe hands or there are enough earnings triggers for the markets to deliver returns keeping this in mind i feel that uh, uh, equity returns from india can be decently strong uh, coming to the fis uh, we have seen decent amount of selling almost 50 billion dollars of outflow in the past several months is what we have seen uh, while the number is right but it is not the complete picture what we see is just the secondary market sales what we don't see is the primary market inflow that we have seen or the ipo inflow so as per the data that we get after this 50 billion dollars which has gone out almost half of that or 25 billion dollars come back to india in the ipo market so we had large ipos of lic nika paytm as they were and this and many others and fis have invested in most of these ipos so 50 has gone out of which 25 anyway come back in the ipo market at the same time we have received more than 80 million dollars on the fdi front which is a historic record high number that we have seen so earlier the trend used to be that india used to receive both fii and fdi money so both left and hand right hand used to get money this time around in the last 6 7 8 months one hand has sold but the other hand continues to buy if you net it off we are still positive 80 of fdi 25 of pre ipo money primary market money minus 50 of fi money we are still 50 billion dollar plus uh, so while it's concerning that fi have sold a lot whatever our interaction with them is that uh, it's not a situation where they have a negative view on the country or on the economy it's more to do with what the clients eventually wants because ultimately what is fi money fi money is also public money at large the way we have retail investors or hna investors which are investing to mutual funds in india with the same way we have retail and corporates of us who invest into an emerging market fund that emerging market funds invest into india tomorrow if those guys or the investors are deleveraging they want to book profit they want to do something else or because of inflation they want more of surplus uh, cash to spend uh, they are going to send redemption request on fi which has no choice but to sell and give the money back so the fi selling is not a reflection of what they view on the economy is it's not that they know something which we don't know it's more of a technical function is more of a liquidity function that uh, we are seeing this outflows or the next 3 4 months once it does settles i feel fi inflow should uh, resume back to india for two reasons one as the economy we continue to do well second and more importantly the peer group has become very weak if look uh, if you look around sri lanka is already bust pakistan is in bad shape bangladesh is also not doing that great investors don't want to go significantly overweight in china after having lost money due to government intervention in, in the likes of 
tech companies like alibaba tencent and others uh i was reading article which was saying that turkey is facing almost 70% inflation as uh, the greece portugal markets are also not doing that great one or two african markets are also facing the risk of a sovereign downgrade uh, you don't want to invest into russia now or closer to russia in ukraine or any other market so the competitive landscape or the peer group of india is in a significantly weaker position than what it was say two years back or three years back so once fi starts to reinvest or to look at emerging markets then they have a handful of choice maybe a philippines or a malaysia or a thailand market is doing well along with that we have india but compared to the size the opportunity the underpenetration that india has and the good roe is in corporate india has uh, india is far better than any of the peer group and hence i am 100% convinced that once fi money starts to relook to get in- invested it's natural that it is come to india and india will sh- get its fair share and also improve on its market share so yeah the next few months can be volatile because of the fi inflows and outflows coming in and out but if you take a slightly longer uh, time frame i am pretty confident in the fi money should resume back in india if the indian equities also have performed well versus what others are if you take a three year period or if you take a five year period we would be among the best performing markets across the region and fi's have made money here it is not that they have lost money and hence i'm as i was mentioning i'm pretty confident that they'll come back coming to what the market outlook would be the chart on your screen is showing the last three decades of negative returns in indian equity markets if you look around the last 6 7 events that uh, indian equity market has given negative returns has all been because of global factors we had two to three years of negative return post the dot com bubble then we had the housing crisis of us then we had a brexit eurozone crisis the greece uh, default and then the covid of fy20 these are the years when equity markets have given negative return and all the reasons have been global this year could be a flattish to imagine a negative year also and also again it will be global factors because india as a economy continues to do well and as history suggests this has been a good opportunity for investors to increase the equity exposure for investors who have not been exposed to equity market to take advantage of the current correction of the volatility and come in with a 3 to 4 year view uh till the time economy does well i feel one should ignore the near term volatility and stay focused uh, because india seems to be in a quite healthy and a good shape so in this backdrop when now uh, coming to the portfolio and what have been our stance and what have been we doing for the last 6 to 8 months we have been highlighting in our monthly newsletters and and all our media and public interactions that the risk to the market is that of margin reset the margin issue which also indirectly means that it's inflation uh, so we were preparing the portfolio uh, we were preparing the po- portfolio positioning uh, to tackle this near term situation and hence there has not been a major shift in our portfolio stance uh, our focus on fundamental investing stays uh, in the current scenario we find maximum value in financials followed by it it is something that we used to uh, have a fairly large overweight position today i would say that we are neutral on it 
the market seems to be neutral to negative, but uh, we are more positive than I'd say the consensus view on IT is because we feel that even if there's a recession in US, what ultimately is going to happen is that the companies there are going to cut costs. And hence, there's no better way to cut costs than by giving more business offshore to infuse TCS than giving that same business to an Accenture at 4x the rate. Uh, we are also pretty excited on the rural economy. As I was explaining, the rural demand is quite strong and any company facing the uh, small town or the rural uh, segment of the economy is doing well. Uh, while prices have corrected and so have been our portfolios also, today the portfolios trade at 11 to 12 times FY24 earnings, which is a very healthy valuation number uh, because the market is trading at a premium to the, my portfolio and from year on even on an absolute basis at 10 to 12 uh, p for a 15 percent plus earnings growth for the portfolio the risk reward equation seems to be quite in favor for an investor uh, we expect like post covid when covid market hit us uh, markets were down our portfolios to, uh, took a beating the same thing has happened in the last two months the portfolio has taken bidding along the markets, but we are pretty confident in the current portfolio that we have uh, will stand the test of time when markets starts to recover or move up. Uh, we'll regain the alpha that we have been consistently delivering. So net net in conclusion, uh, our take is that be positive. In the past and in the current situation also, it's been more of global events that has uh, impacted Indian equities and uh, it's a chance for local investors, for domestic investors to come in and take advantage of this volatility. We expect Indian equities to continue to deliver mid-teens to high-teens kind of returns. Returns won't be linear. There can be years when the markets are flat or even negative, but the subsequent years the market delivers 30-40% return and on an average a mid-teen to high-teen return is very much possible because this is what eventually what we are expecting as earnings growth will come in also. So the, what we are expecting is that markets will at least deliver what the earnings growth in India would be. Uh, the economic outlook is robust. Domestic demand is strong. We have capex going on. We have new sectors contributing due to China plus one. We have seen the uh, formal economy gaining market share. On the macro front, uh, reserves are great. Uh, rupee is stable. Our CAT situation in spite of a higher oil price is under control. And from here on, looks like bulk of the negative news is in the price or already getting factored in. The, the coming few months can be volatile because the data frequency in the US is pretty high. And in the near term, those data can disappoint. And hence, if somebody is looking at uh, deploying capital in the equity markets, our suggestion would be staggered over the next three to four months. So if you wanted to deploy say 100, Put 20 right away, the balance 80 can come over the next four months. Uh, we suggest a three to four month staggering rather than a 12, 24 month staggering because we expect once the inflation numbers cool off, once the return in US market, India will continue to grow and that would eventually get reflected into the equity market returns. So that's broadly uh, from my side, both on the markets, uh, the portfolio stands that we have. Uh, I'm sure you guys will be having some queries. Uh, I'll be happy to address uh, any yeah, of them. We'll come to that. Yeah, thank you, uh, Man. Uh, it was a great uh, presentation. We got a lot of insights today. 
so what i'll do is i'll request uh, our participants to uh, write their write down their questions in chat box while they are typing in the question is uh, so i mean there are few investors who are looking at investing in our fund for the first time so for their benefit if you can talk to us about what sort of philosophy that you follow at an organization level when you are investing across the strategies that you manage sure good um uh, fine so if somebody is looking for at us for the first time uh, this is a broad philosophy which is there on your screen that you follow this is what differentiates us from our peers this is what different that we do the first foremost thing that we follow is that we don't do benchmark investing so there will be very few funds who don't look at benchmark uh, and we will be one of them so there is no concept of underweight or overweight in my office the view that we follow is pretty simple that if we like a company we'll invest in it if we don't like we won't invest in it irrespective of whatever weight in the indexes and hence there is no discussion of whether we be underweight or overweight the discussion is only should we invest or shouldn't we and it's as simple as that across the three buckets of the market which are large mid and small caps uh we do only fundamental investing no technicals no derivatives no quant models nothing else neither me neither any of our team members do any of these things besides fundamental bottom up stock picking uh if you look around to my portfolio almost 30 35% of my portfolio is stocks where i am the first or the only institutional investor which what this indirectly means is that we generate our own ideas and we are not shy to execute them once we have a good idea there are many people who would feel that no i don't want to be the first one or i would like to be investor only if somebody else is also there not for us we are more than happy to be the first one because that gives a good first mover advantage uh we are patient investors we invest with a 3 to 4 year investment horizon with a broad view that the money should double during this period which can come from a combination of both earnings growth as well as valuation re-rating uh we are agile flexible portfolio is monitored on a daily basis if the investment call or thesis is not working i would bite the bullet book a loss get out of the stock and move that cash somewhere else rather than sitting in the same stock with the hope that the next year or the next few quarters would be better and finally uh, one of the biggest views or one of the biggest philosophy that we follow is that for any investment that we i do the risk reward equation has to be favorable this is something that i very religiously follow it's a discipline that we have embedded into ourselves and what do i mean by this risk reward equation it means that while we are not a value value investor that i'll not just go ahead and buy a cheap stock just because it's at a 5p or a 6p or whatever the number is but definitely i'm a value conscious investor by this what i mean is that i do mind paying a significant premium just because you are the market leader or you are a great company or the market favorite if i go in for 10 20 30% i don't mind paying a 20 30 p but i definitely do mind paying a 70 80 p for a company which is growing at 15% and that is what my view comes in for me a great company or a good company also has to be a good investment ultimately i am running a financial product i am running a fund my clients are looking for a financial return they are not i am not the promoter i am not the owner of the business for me financial return matters more than hence the risk reward equation has to be favorable a great company will be a great investment only if you buy it at the right price and that is what we very religiously follow and hence practically speaking 
you will not find very expensive stocks in your portfolio. So we are shy to pay abnormal premium. More or less, uh, you will find the portfolio having a good balance between earnings growth as well as the P, which I explained that uh, the current P of both the strategies that I follow would be 11 to 12 times FY24 earnings. That's the uh, key philosophy uh, that we follow. And uh, to help us follow this philosophy, we have a simple framework, which we call as the meat framework. These are the points or these are the check boxes that we consider before any investing. Uh, within the meets, M stands for management, the management quality, management Management is the captain of the ship. It is the most important factor that we look forward because it will he who will determine where the ship is headed and at what speed it is headed. And hence, uh, the background of the management, the past track record, the current meetings, we have not invested into a single stock without meeting the management. Each and every portfolio company that we have, we have interacted with the management, we know what their goals are, we know what they intend to do and how it fits into our investment framework. Without the management meeting, I have will I have not and I would never be investing into any stock. Uh, the E uh, in meat stands for earnings. As I mentioned, uh, earnings growth is very critical and very important for us. We have this very firm belief that only value doesn't work. If there is no trigger along with it or there is no earnings growth along with it. If the value can, will become deep value, but if the value gets combined with an earnings growth, then I see a good scope of alpha and a good scope of re-rating happening. In, and that is what I always look for. And hence in my portfolio, I have a very strong focus towards earnings growth. The other E stands for events or trends. Uh, there are certain events in the markets or in the journey of a corporate and we very closely monitor that. It could be events like say an M&A or a divestment or a stock split or say change of management or change of some policy regulations which can have a positive impact on uh, the outlook for the corporate and that is something that uh, uh, we are pretty excited about and we very closely monitor it. T here stands for timing. Timing is clearly not market timing. That is something that I can't do. I don't even attempt doing that. For me, timing is more to do with timing of the corporate earning cycle. As a company, we all have our ups and downs. There are a few years when things are good. There are a few years when things are not so good for various reasons. We would obviously like to time where the growth is. If the growth is accelerating, I would definitely be investing to that company. If the growth is decelerating, then I would tend to avoid it. Or if the growth is expected to pick up after one, two or three years, I would tend to buy it closer to the turnaround rather than buying right away and sitting for the next two to three years, zero return. So that my timing is predominantly where the earning cycle is headed. And the last S in the meat framework stands for the structural opportunities. A growing economic like India with a high level of underpenetration offers lots of structural growth opportunities. And we obviously would also like to benefit from it by investing to such companies with a portfolio. So probably this is the framework uh, that we follow uh, for our investment across both the strategies that uh, we follow. All right. So a couple of questions. We'll take them quickly. We are running sure. short of time. So only 10 minutes are left out. So first question is from Mr. Bhatia is asking if PMS horizon is for 10 years. Is it feasible to invest in mid and small cap PMS instead of all cap? 
So I'll I'll answer that. Yeah, if, uh, you can invest in mid and small cap. The second question is uh, if the valuation is attractive and corporate earnings growth also uh, they are as per the expectation. Then why markets are not bottoming out when market will move up? Uh, so there are two things in the market. One is corporate earnings. The other thing is liquidity or you can say sentiments. Infosys or TCS or HDF Bank as a company or as a corporate is the same. But the stock price of Infosys changes on a daily basis, on an every minute basis. The company is not changing. It's the same Infosys five years back, one year back, one month back. Yeah, obviously the level of profits have changed. The company is the same, but the profits are not changed on a daily basis. But the price does change. So in the near term, what determines the price movement is a combination of sentiments, liquidity, technical factors. Uh, if somebody is coming in with a three to four year view, if somebody is a fundamental investor, then these are near term noises one needs to ignore. Uh, your query is to if corporate growth is good and if uh, things are fine, why is the market not bottoming up? The markets are not bottoming up because of the liquidity overhang that we are facing from the global markets. The global markets are volatile because of the demand concern that they have, and that is having a rub effect on Indian sentiments also. We need to factor in one very important point is that FIs in India own almost 25% of the market cap. 50% of the market cap is government of India and promoters. So effectively, FIs own half of the float of Indian equities. That's a substantially high number. Anything that goes wrong in the markets, anything that goes wrong in the house is going to have a liquidity impact on Indian equities also. So while we can continue to grow, we can continue to do well, both on an economic as well as on the earnings front, because of this technical liquidity overhang or the sentiment overhang in the near term markets may volatile or may undershoot uh, the fair value. But eventually, if we are doing well, as all things which revert to me, Indian equities also uh, will deliver strong, decent mid-teens to high-teens kind of return, which they have been doing consistently over the past several years. Yeah, next question is from Mr. Thole. I think I can see that he's asking some specific question with regards to specific uh, stocks. So I just want to highlight here one disclaimer that we are not going to discuss any stock specific idea. Uh, keeping in mind that, you know, if you have any query, you can discuss with your advisor and invest. But if you, when you are giving the mandate to the portfolio manager, then uh, I think you should give complete mandate and let the portfolio manager to decide uh, when to increase or reduce the, the weightages of the stock. Next question is uh, from uh, Mr. Bhatia again. So what sort of returns that one can expect if they are investing in emerging opportunity fund uh, in the long 10 years time frame? I don't know. So, Aman, would you like to take this question? Yeah, so I think uh, if somebody has an investment view of 5 to 10 years, then uh, mid-team to high-team kind of uh, returns is very much possible for Indian equities. The next question is that... Uh, uh, so what is the uh, expectation from the Fed stance that they're going to announce on 27th of July? Uh, there's going to be a rate hike anywhere between 50 to 75 bips. Uh, more important is what the Fed says in its outlook than the action because this action is already known or fairly well uh, understood and discounted by the markets. So the outlook is what matters. I expect the Fed to give an outlook that... Uh, uh, it's going to keep a very watchful eye on the demand scenario in the in US. If it feels that demand is weakening more than its comfort zone, 
then Fed will take necessary action uh, to address that. So that's the outlook I expect Fed to give, which should, uh, which I believe the market should take it positively. All right. So with that, we would like to conclude the session here. Uh, Avan, thank you so much for taking the time out from your busy schedule and you joined us today uh, and interacted with all our investors. And I also take this opportunity to thank our friend Archan for helping us to put up this beautiful show. So thank you so much. Sure. Great. Thanks. Thanks for inviting us. And any queries or anything uh, on our funds, portfolios, feel free to get in touch with my team and they should be happy to help. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Vikas. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Bye.